Take a deep breath and remember there's a power breathing you. This is your space of sanity in an evolving world where we learn about spiritual law and how to apply it to our lives in a way that is practical and life-changing. This is where we remember truth to make the world a better place one person at a time. I'm Claire Lotier, inspirational speaker, teacher of the technology of transformation, and a certified life mastery consultant and spiritual coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. To become a conscious creator is to enter the flow of life. To master manifestation as a conscious creative process which you yourself are directing requires coming out of struggle and giving up one of our favorite pastimes, worry. It requires letting go of the illusion that we can control any of life's events and instead turn to the very source which determines those events as the portion of creation we experience, our own basic concept of self. This series, Manifest Grace, is all about looking at the intimate details of our most private and public process, the generation of our reality. Private because it is produced by the relationship between conscious and subconscious minds in the hidden depths of the womb of creation, and public because the offspring of that union of conscious and subconscious is made visible for all the world to see in the form of our results. This process is a completely automatic one, in which we have no choice but to participate because it is built into our spiritual DNA as conscious beings made in the image of God. We manifest a reality automatically, and that reality is always like unto our subconscious assumption our paradigm, the pattern of life from which we are currently operating. It's important to understand that we have unlimited free will to determine that assumption, that is to build a new paradigm of who we want to be and what kind of life we would love to live. But this is where the free will ends. From that assumption, which we get to choose, everything flows automatically. The idea that we can control events in the external world is a delusion. To worry about results and outcomes in life is completely pointless. Outcomes are determined by our original assumption or paradigm of operation. Any shift in the paradigm produces different outcomes. But again, these results are automatic experiences flowing from the paradigm itself. You are literally creating your reality from moment to moment based on everything you feel, everything you believe, everything you think, everything you assume about yourself, other people, and the world. Creation reveals itself to you in accordance with your paradigm. It cannot be otherwise. So whatever is happening, whatever portion of creation you are experiencing based on your paradigm is coming to pass automatically whether you worry about it or not. Instead of worrying, 
Build a paradigm that supports who you want to be in the world and let it become your new assumption and pattern of life. Neville Goddard says, if you change your concept of yourself, the events ahead of you in time are altered, but thus altered, they form again a deterministic sequence starting from the moment of this changed concept. You are a being with powers of intervention, which enable you, by a change of consciousness, to alter the course of observed events, in fact, to change your future. Deny the evidence of the senses and assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. The subconscious faithfully outpictures whatever is impressed upon it through feeling and belief. Whatever our true beliefs and feelings are about ourselves and what we deserve is reflected back to us by the mirror of reality based on our subconscious assumption about ourselves. We think in secret and it comes to pass. Environment is but our looking glass, as James Allen said. We all have a face that we project to the world and inner aspects we tend to hide from the world. The disparity between the two represents what we have yet to resolve within ourselves. As we grow spiritually, we become more transparent. As the ego becomes more transparent to the higher self, in other words, as the mind-made concept of self that is constantly dogging our heels begins to dissolve, it becomes more transparent to the higher self. And then we have less and less to defend, less to hide, less to prove. Whatever we may say we believe, whatever we may wish to believe or tell other people we believe, if we don't actually believe it to be true deep down in our heart of hearts, this will be borne out by the mirror of reality. While we may speak of spiritual principles like abundance, forgiveness, and the law of attraction, while we may believe in them and be in agreement with them on the conscious level, it is what the subconscious believes to be true that will automatically be represented in your world. Your results and the facts of your life situation reveal your thinking to yourself and to everyone else. Social media may have allowed us to construct false realities for ourselves and others, to control perception by projecting an image or a personal brand that looks a certain way. But a billion sexy selfies of how awesome my life is cannot make up for inner emptiness if that is the psychological reality. As a matter of fact, the false projection only pressurizes the internal environment, which cannot bear the strain of upholding this false shell indefinitely. In the absence of knowing and embodying who we truly are, and our unlimited power to determine our concept of ourself, we construct a false self to compensate for a feeling that we're not enough, and to distract us from the void of meaninglessness. The false self is cobbled together based on what we have thought we should be in order to feel safe, to get ahead, to please others, to be approved of, to deserve love. It is an attempt to self-determine, but if the image is born of lack, we're not yet claiming our divine nature as the truth of our being. 
mostly because we're unaware of our true divine nature. You can't claim what you're not aware of. And yet the aspiration we feel to be more, to transcend our current sense of self, to overcome our limitations and to experience a greater version of ourselves is a noble one. We all long to be truly free, to feel empowered, creative, loving, peaceful, successful, joyful, to master our domain. This feeling of wanting more life, greater, freer, fuller expression is the impulse of life itself within us. It is a sacred signal of growth that must be respected. To aspire to incarnate a greater, higher version of ourselves is a divine desire to honor and pay homage to that great self within us that has given us life. It is a desire to more fully experience the infinite side of our nature in the finite. Now, how that desire is expressed depends on our current level of awareness. When the impulse is hijacked by the ego, it tends to seek fulfillment in externals, material gain, followers, influence, codependent relationships, the perfect body, and so on. And when we're met with resistance or obstacles in seeking fulfillment outside ourselves, we tend to experience frustration, disappointment, worry, and despair. These are the hallmarks of being in struggle. The law says that being always precedes doing. That is to say that anything we do, we do from who we are being, from our vibration. It cannot be otherwise. All of our doing in the world proceeds from our consciousness, our assumption about ourselves. In other words, our current paradigm of operation, our doing in the world, our actions produce results. When we want to change our results, we often don't look deeply enough into how those results are actually being generated. We tend to try to change the things we do to control, to influence or manipulate situations or people with push energy or willpower to work harder, to work faster, to do more. This is struggle, the opposite of flow. Any action we take from that space of consciousness whose essence is struggle can only produce more struggle. It isn't what we do, but how we do it from what space of consciousness that delivers the ultimate result. If I'm in a vibration of worry, doubt, fear, and anxiety, all of my doing, that is, all of the actions I take in life from that vibration must return results that reflect those very feelings. This is the law. No matter what actions I take, if I change my actions, but I'm still performing them from that feeling space of struggle, the result will be the same, even if the details of the situation alter. The subconscious process born of worry, doubt, fear, and anxiety must return to me circumstances that mirror those feelings back to me, that continue to produce those feelings in me. Continuing in ignorance of the law keeps us in those cycles of suffering and reinforces our belief that that's just the way things are. I can cut my hair, change my clothes, change my partner, change my location, change my job. 
But if I don't change my subconscious assumption, I recreate the same conditions and patterns that I've been repeating my whole life, just with different actors, costumes, and scenery. Does this sound familiar? (laughs) In victim consciousness, one way that we seek the illusion of control is through worry. It's this idea that if we worry about things, if we think about them with anxiety or with concern, it's more responsible somehow. We hold on because it gives us this illusion of control. There's a belief that if we were to let go of worry and anxiety over a situation, we would somehow lose control over the outcome. That which fears losing control here is the ego, because it is the ego which has the illusion of control in the first place, and it believes itself to be the author of life. The lower mind seeks to solve problems through logic and linearity and conventional approaches. With a higher self, on the other hand, that part of you which is unlimited, does not even see a problem. There is no situation that doesn't present opportunities of equal or greater magnitude than the seeming problem. That part of you transcends duality, and it can take you out of duality. It can take you out of struggle if you learn how to tune into it. When we worry about things, we are temporarily out of touch with the truth of our nature. Because our nature, our true nature, is the solution. You are your own solution, not the you that you think you are, not the personality, but the I am that you really are. Pure consciousness. Not the being that's staring back at you in the mirror, but the noble indweller that animates that being. When we worry, We're actually confessing our unawareness of the power that's breathing us. We're confessing that we do not trust that everything in life is happening for us. In other words, we're demonstrating our ignorance of the law. We're focused on the problem, which seems bigger than us, and this consciousness begets more problems. Allowing worry to take over is a confession that I am small, weak, and powerless, and the problems of life and the world are big, powerful, and frightening. The Bible says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Worrying is a useless, unproductive habit that can add no good to your life in any way, shape, or form. When we are worrying, we put ourselves in a vibration that attracts failure and limitation. We offer the world a vibration of scarcity and disempowerment. That vibration, if it could speak, would say, I don't trust, I don't believe, I do not know who I am. Similarly, to worry about another is to disempower that person in your own mind and to reduce them. If you wish to be truly loving to another, see them in your mind fully flourishing, happy, strong, and free. Hear them telling you of their joy and accomplishment. They are resourced and guided just as you are, whether they know it or not. Claim for them their divine inheritance by seeing them in their glory. I remember an enlightening moment of conversation with a spiritual teacher of mine. It was during a painful period of self-examination, and I had at this time, uh, quote-unquote, opened the vault. (laughs) 
(laughs) to my mother about some things that have been long weighing on my heart. In the way a mother does, she'd already guessed at most of them, so I could hardly shock or surprise her, which was strangely comforting. But as I was still in an ongoing phase of emotional fragility, she was actively worrying about me. I told her not to worry, but in her mind that was impossible. And what's more unnatural, part of a mother's job is to worry. I noticed that her worry triggered anxiety in me. And it brought back a time back in high school when uh, I used to take the bus home, the school bus home from school, and we were running late one day. There was an accident or some kind of traffic incident, and we were sitting on the highway going nowhere for quite a while. It was raining, and I was late. And I knew that my mother would be wondering why I hadn't arrived yet. This, of course, was in the days before cell phones. And the thought of her pacing in the house and looking out the window and wondering why I hadn't arrived yet and imagining the worst and where was the school bus, all of that, I started to be very anxious. I jumped immediately into her mind and imagined all of her worry and fear and anxiety. This made me so upset that I began to cry on the school bus, worrying about my mother worrying. Anyway, many years later, shortly after this meaningful conversation during which I had opened the so-called vault of secrets to unburden myself to her, she proceeded into actively worrying about me. A few days later, I'd gone away to visit a friend in the French countryside for a birthday party. We were all staying in an old chateau with thick stone walls and the Wi-Fi was pretty spotty. So I missed communicating with my mother overnight. The next morning, I awoke to a succession of increasingly panicked text messages because she was unable to reach me, which caused me to panic in turn. I realized I felt responsible for her emotional state. And of course, I had never wanted to contribute for one moment to her habit of worrying. When I shared this insight with my spiritual teacher, I described my own panic, worry, and and anger in response to those messages. Anger was the emotion I didn't understand at the time, but she wisely explained to me, you would have preferred her to trust you, to believe in you, and to empower you with that trust and belief that you are more than equal to anything you're facing, rather than disempowering you with her worry. I'd never thought of it that way before, but it rang true for me. I can see now, when I hear the voice of worry in my own mind, that I was hardwired with it. For many years, I thought worry was just a natural thing, that it was a natural function. Now I know that while it may be normal, as as in the norm for most people, that doesn't make it natural, and it definitely isn't healthy. Worry is only possible when we are living in ignorance of our true nature. To think that we can solve problems by worrying about them or trying to control outcomes is folly and futility. Michael Beckwith says, instead of telling God about your big problems, tell your problems about your big God. When we turn things over to the unlimited side of our nature and hold them in pure consciousness, they transform. Creative solutions present themselves 
or the problem simply evaporates in a way that is not possible when we are viewing them from the level of worry. So how do we turn things over to the unlimited side of our nature and hold them in pure consciousness? What does that mean exactly? (laughs) Well, first of all, we have to realize that worry is optional. We're under no obligation to worry about anything. All right. So when you experience worry, realize that you're bumping up against the limits of your current paradigm. That is, realize that there is a part of you that believes it can control other people or the outcomes of situations by worrying about them. There's a part of you that does not trust in the flow of life and wants to wants to control. Okay. Now, We can't control the outcomes of situations by worrying about them. It's simply false, and worry can only make things worse. The law of attention reminds us that wherever we place our attention, the universe reads as our intention. Worry places the lens of our attention on negative outcomes and increases the likelihood of their manifestation. In this light, we can see that worry is not only useless, but actually detrimental. And yet, even though we may know that on the conscious level, we still may not know how to come out of that feeling of worry when the vibration is established in the body. For many people, low-grade worry and anxiety are playing like background music most of the time. When we start to become more aware, we begin noticing the destructive programs that we habitually run, and noticing is the first step to shifting our vibration. And yet, while the conscious mind may affirm, for example, I am safe, if the subconscious is in the habit of worry and anxiety, the body is vibrating in a stress response. So there's a dissonance there between what we're thinking and what we're actually feeling. And always what we're feeling is the truth. We all know the experience of saying one thing while we're feeling another. So how do we come out of that vibration of worry when it's a well-established habit? Here's a process that can help you do just that. Make sure you download the PDF worksheet that accompanies this episode, which you can find in the show notes. What's been worrying you lately? What do you typically worry about? Write down the recurring thoughts you have around this condition or circumstance. Notice that these thoughts are in a loop. Get them out on paper. Now, what's the worst thing that can happen related to this thing you tend to worry about? For example, if you worry that you'll never find the soulmate you dream of, you may have thoughts that go toward the worst outcome. I'll be alone for the rest of my life, lonely and depressed. People will feel sorry for me. I'll end up a crazy cat lady and die alone and no one will know for days. Or let's say you worry about cancer because there's a family history and you think everyone in my family dies of cancer and it's going to happen to me. The test results are going to come back and I'll have cancer and they won't be able to save me. I'm going to waste away and suffer extreme pain and then I'll die. Or let's say you worry that you can't make a living and you think I'm going to run out of money and be in debt and be dependent on other people. I'll be ashamed and then I'm going to be homeless and living in a cardboard box under the bridge and then I'll die. Notice that all the outcomes of worry eventually lead to death. Now that you've allowed your mind to express the superficial level of story and followed your fears to their inevitable conclusion, 
Take a deep breath. Close your eyes and go within. Begin to breathe slowly in through your nose and out through the mouth as if you were blowing through a straw. Notice the feeling of worry as it's expressed through your body in response to the story you've created with your thoughts. How does it express itself? Where do you feel it? What images come to mind? How would you describe its location, its shape, its sensation, its texture? Does it have a color, a smell? Notice it. Now, tune into the raw energy beneath that feeling of fear, worry, or anxiety. Go deeper than the story. Go deeper even than the form it takes in your body and connect simply with the energy. Notice that it's just energy, pure energy. As energy, it is neither good nor bad. It just is. Notice if it feels stuck or if it's moving. Simply hold it in loving awareness with compassion. You're not trying to change anything. You're allowing this energy space in your awareness. But it is not all of you. You are not this energy. You are the awareness of the energy. Notice that as you allow that energy space, without identifying with the story, but simply as energy, it begins to transform, dissolve, or move. Simply allow that to happen. When you feel ready, take a deep breath and open your eyes. Describe what you experienced. This process brings you into the awareness that the greater part of you is not involved in the story of worry. It is when we become identified with the story that causes the worrying that we forget who we truly are. The moment you notice that you can witness yourself, you are no longer caught up in the experience and fully identified with it. Rather than trying to switch gears and force yourself into changing the way you feel, notice how you feel. Tune into the energy behind those feelings and give it space. You are the space, the spaciousness, and that space is infinite. Allow this exercise to lift you out of struggle into an awareness of the pure creative consciousness that you are. Claim your true nature as a child of the infinite and let this truth become your new assumption, your new concept of self from which you manifest grace. I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me in the Grace Space, where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. Bye for now.